What a day. What, uh, what an incredible, incredible moment. We are so thankful uh, to be here in this space. I, I want to start by just thanking all of you for your, your sacrifices. So many of you played such a significant role to get us to this moment. Uh, many of you made significant financial sacrifices for this project. Uh, many of you dedicated so much of your time to make this building what it is. And I, I want to say, say a couple of special thank yous. Uh, one to our staff, who just put in so much work. A special thank you to Zach Fody, Kaya Ortman, who <clears throat> deserve really so much of the credit for the look and the feel of this place, uh, along with our architects from Cunningham Group. A big thank you to Ryan Speck, uh, Rachel Cheney, who, and others who put in so much time to getting this place ready, so many late nights. I think the last three weeks, there's at least somebody here at midnight or 1 a.m. getting this place ready for today. Uh, thank you to our building team that made so many hard, big, complex decisions over the last few years. And I want to say a really special thank you to uh, two people from our church who put in uh, maybe more time than anyone else, uh, and that is Brian Prunty and Ben Rickers. I'm going to call uh, forward to the stage at, at this point. You know, both of these guys have been uh, serving uh, this church in this endeavor since they joined our original land search team uh, back in 2014, uh, and they have done so the whole time as volunteers from our church. They served for three years on our land team and then stayed on and served another three and a half years on our, on our building team. Uh, ben is a, a retired a former CFO, and he has used his financial expertise to just lead our church's finances in the realm of building really well in this time. You know, all the way back to 2014, he created uh, an incredible financial model that helped us forecast what we could handle all the way into 2021 and beyond. And not only that, but manage the finances on this multi-million dollar project in this past year. And our, and our church has just been so blessed by him and what he's done for our church. Uh, and also Brian, who is an architect uh, in his day job, has skillfully led our building team uh, these last four years. And not only has our church been incredibly blessed by just his vast knowledge and expertise, but also just by his intense dedication to this project. And Brian put in an incredible amount of work on your behalf and on behalf of people who would one day meet Jesus here. Uh, I swear there were days that this probably felt like a full-time job uh, for you, but he, he did it. And both of these men just deserve your honor and appreciation. So if you just honor them with me now, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> thank you to you guys. <clears throat> and thank you all uh, for all, all of your hard work and dedication. But there is one who deserves more credit than anyone else, and that is our Father in Heaven. You know, despite all the dedication, all the hard work of so many people, there have been at least three times since we started working on this back in 2014 that I was fairly convinced that we would never get to this moment, to today. And yet every time we thought hope was lost, God moved miraculously. This morning, I want to look at a story in the Bible where God also moved in a miraculous way. And I want to look at specifically how the people of God remembered that day. I'd love for you to look at this with me. Whenever we open up the Word of God, the Bible, we want to look at it together. You can do so in a couple of ways. You can use your phone if you want, your Renovation Church app. Just have Bible and weekly verses. Or there is a Bible under the chair in front of you. I know you got to do a little dancing during our social distancing aisles here, but you can grab one uh, if you'd like. We're going to be on page 147 if you want to follow along. We'll get there in just a minute or two. Uh, we're going to be looking at a story from the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible. 
And so it takes place before Jesus came to earth. Now, most of the story of the Old Testament is the story of the Israelites. And you read about how God delivers them from slavery in Egypt and takes them into this land that he promised them. And in the chapter right before ours today, you get to read about, so this is Joshua chapter 3, actually, about how they miraculously entered the promised land by crossing the Jordan River. Now, the, the Jordan River was sort of the border and as soon as they got through it, they were in the promised land. But in those days, it's not like there were bridges everywhere. So if you read in the chapter before ours, and maybe you want to read it even later tonight, you'll find that what, what God had them do is he had the priests begin to step, set foot into the river. And as soon as their foot touched the water, the water actually stopped flowing upstream so that eventually the Israelites could just walk across the dry riverbed into the promised land. And it was such an incredible moment that God wanted them to remember it and never forget it. And that's our passage today. So Joshua chapter four, so look for the big number four. When you find the verse, we're gonna start at verse four, so that's the little four. If you find that, that's where we're gonna start. All right. It says, so Joshua, that's their leader, called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God, into the middle of the Jordan. The ark was like their holy box, had like the Ten Commandments in it. He said, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So God does this absolutely incredible miracle, and he wants his people to remember it forever. So he tells Joshua, basically, get stones from the dry riverbed where you walked across, and they're going to set them up in a monument so that whenever the Israelites walk by it, that they'll go, yeah, that's right. It was God who got us here. He did a miraculous thing on our behalf. And friends, I want you to know that this building, likewise, is a monument to God's miracles. And every time you drive by it, every time you walk in it, I want you to remember what God did. And so I think it's important on our very first Sunday in this space that we take a look back and we look at what God did to get us here. So that's that's what I want to do this morning is just take you back in time. And we're going to talk about how God got us here. Well, for us, this journey really started in 2014. At 2014, or by 2014, we had been meeting as a church for a couple years at that point. Uh, We had been meeting in North Point Elementary School, just down the road here in Blaine, and we were growing. And so we knew that eventually we should look for land, but you can't just go out and buy land with $2 in your pocket. So we knew we had to raise some significant money for a down payment. And so we set a goal that we were going to raise a half a million dollars over a three-year period so we could have a down payment on land. And as we started that process, eventually it just felt really scary. It just, it, if to me, it felt just too impossible for such a young church as we were at that time. I remember telling my wife, I said, Lindsay, I, I have seriously run the numbers on this a hundred times in a hundred different ways, and it's just not possible for us to raise a half a million dollars. I, every time I do it, like the max I can get to is like 350000 And then we were four days away from when people would turn in what they were going to pledge to give over a three-year period. And I was already writing my speech in my head to tell the church, all right, sorry, we're $150,000 short. I guess we'll just be in the school for a 
a long, 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 long time. And four days before that Sunday, I received an email from a 23-year-old woman in our church. And she informed me that she had just very recently acquired a permanent salaried position, and it was a pretty significant change of income for her. And she wrote to inform me that after a really long conversation with God, she felt led to give her entire pay increase to the land. And this 23-year-old gave $50,000 to our land. I mean, I vividly, you know, some parts of your life are just like enshrined in your memory. I vividly remember reading that email. I was in a group of people at, at a meeting, and I was probably socially awkwardly reading my email in the meeting. I'm sure you've never done that, but <clears throat> listen, I have. And I was reading my email, and I read, and I just went, you've got to be kidding me. And I left the room, and I walked into another room that no one was in, and I just fell to my knees and cried. And I'm a, like a cry once every five or six years type of guy. And then I walked outside, it was night, and I looked up at the sky, and I said, God, you're just going to do this. I don't know how, I don't know when, I would have never predicted this path in a million years, but you're just going to do this. And I absolutely believed that with all of my heart until the next big obstacle came. It was just kind of just life as being a human, right? right? This is why sometimes we need some monuments to walk by to remember who our God is. We need just regular injections of faith. Well, we, in that fall of 2014, we're all excited, right? Because of the money did come in, and we thought, oh, this is so great. But hope began to wane as the months went by. My original hope was that we'd find a spot, like at the end of 2014 or maybe early 2015. But as 2015 turned into 2016, and we still hadn't found land, hope was beginning to fade quickly. I mean, in reality, there just wasn't much land available. And what was available, it just, it wasn't right. Like, it was too small. It was too expensive. I thought it was too hidden. Or maybe it was just too far away. And so, once again, we just, we went to God, and we said, like, what do you want, like, what do you want us to do? Like, we've raised this money. We know you're leading us, but, like, where do we go? And so we gathered our church together. We did a, a huge prayer night, all church prayer night, where we just prayed about this. Lord, lead us to the right place. This might not surprise you because this is the power of prayer. It was shortly after that, after we spent two years probably working too much in our own strength, shortly after that, in the fall of 2016, that God turned our attention to this piece of land that we're sitting on right now. And we saw it was for sale. Now, when you talk about sale prices in commercial land, the way they usually talk about it is in price per square foot. So this particular piece of land was for sale for $6 per square foot, which was way more than we can afford. But we thought, this place is so amazing. It was 30,000 cars passed by here every single day. We thought, all right, we serve a big God. Let's put in an offer. So $6 a square foot. We put in an offer of $4.25 a square foot. Now, that might not seem that low to you, but just let me give you an example. That would be like if you were selling your house at $250,000, that would be like someone offering you $177,000, right? You, you would probably be offended, right? But thankfully, the seller was really gracious, and they responded back, and they said, okay, you know, we're selling it for six. You offered four twenty-five. What about like five? You're kind of in the middle. And we were going, oh, well... And see, it was right at that time 
that God did some interesting work. I, I think he was really determined to make sure that we didn't get credit for any of this. So right after we received their counteroffer for $5, kind of in the middle, we realized at that time that we had been using the whole time this wrong people to parking lot size ratio that we had been told. And when we ran the numbers, we realized there was just sort of this heart sinking moment that we don't need five acres. That's what we asked for. We actually need six. Oh man, this is going to be way more money. And so uh, it's just, <laughs> it's crazy because I, I pride myself probably sinfully in my negotiation skills. Uh, and we had a ton of incredibly smart people around the table but we literally had to go back to the seller and say, hey, I know you're selling it for six. We said 425, but actually we really need another acre. And so how about another acre, but still 425? <laughs> and of course they went, uh, no, thank you. And the negotiation was over. And I got to tell you, that was an incredibly painful moment. It was another moment where I just thought that this day, that this moment right here would never come. But my friends, the Bible tells us that with God, all things are possible. God can change anyone's mind. Four days later, we get a phone call. And the seller says, you know what? We thought about it. We'll take your deal. He said, and you know, we looked again at kind of the land that we're parceling out, and if we give you the six acres, then there's kind of this little sliver of a half acre, and in commercial realty, it's really hard to sell a half acre, and so we're just going to throw in that half acre for free. So in summary here, they were selling the land for $6 a square foot. We offered a poultry four twenty-five, and by the time they threw in the half acre, we bought six acres for a total of three eighty-five. Like, that's negotiation that you just cannot do on your own, right? That is the hand of God. It's the gracious hand of God getting us here. And we just never could have gotten to this amazing spot in any other way. It's kind of like, you know, when, when we read that passage in Joshua chapter 4, there's a verse in there that says, you know, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Church, I would just tell you, when your kids in the years to come ask you about this place, these are the stories that I want you to tell them about how God got us here. So we ended up finalizing the deal for this place, for this land, uh, kind of in early 2017. And then we had to raise money. And so in the fall of 2017, we raised over $1.3 million in pledges, which is amazing for this place. And God continued to just amaze us each subsequent fall after that with just more generous donations coming in. And every just thing just seemed right on track again. Until about the spring and summer of 2019. We, at that point, had been steadily working on our building plans for quite some time. But what happened is, as we got into 2019, construction prices just began to rise exponentially. And thus, the price of our building just kept rising and rising and rising, even though we hadn't changed anything. And our general contractor assured us that uh, things would be fine, and after they did some more estimation work, that they would come back to us and that the price would be still well under our budget cap. However, we met with them, and they kind of looked at us and said, hey, we're really sorry, but we got some prices back, and actually, it's $100,000 more than your budget. We're going, oh, you've got to be kidding me. 
was trying to make some cuts, work on some things. We felt like the only thing we could do at that point was just keep working with our architects. We'll do more detail into our drawings, put it out, get it estimated again, and then everybody assured us, when you do that, there's going to be more detail, the price will it'll go down. So we did that. It's another month and a half or so, two months. We meet with our general contractors again, and this time, instead of being just $100,000 over our budget, our general contractors informed us that they were $900,000 over our budget. Almost a million dollars. I mean, that, that, that may have been the worst day of my life. I mean, have you ever worked for something with all of your heart for five years to watch it basically just evaporate in front of your eyes? I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, if we're talking $100 here, we're talking a million dollars. What are you going to do? We don't have that. I, I remember sitting in that meeting, and all I wanted to do, it took everything within me to not just like walk out and go, go home and crawl into my bed. We spent the remainder of that meeting that summer, it was only a year and a half ago, which is crazy to me, talking about all sorts of options, and all of them were awful. Right, we're almost a million dollars short, so we talked, well, do we just sell our land? Surely it's a great spot. It's worth a lot of money. Maybe we take the money and we could fix up a warehouse or something somewhere. I went to bed that night about as sad as I've ever been in my life. But the next morning, right as I woke up, I'm talking within one or two seconds, I had an idea in my mind that to this day I am convinced was from God. And it occurred to me that one of the only options we had left was basically just to take our architectural drawings of the building and just put them out to other general contractors for bid. To say, all right, here are the drawings. What, what would you bid on this, on this project? Now, the chances of getting a bid on the exact same drawings that is a million dollars lower is basically next to nothing, right? It's the same drawings. But it just felt like, so you're saying there's a chance, Right? <laughs> It's like if you, if you just, sometimes you just got to give God a, an open door, a place to move, right? Rather than just giving up and walking away. And so we put our drawings out to bid, and we got two more companies that said they would bid on the project. Well, the first one comes back two weeks later. And this one, instead of being $900,000 over our budget, was $2 million over our budget. It was so painful, it was funny, you ever had that in your life? You're like, <laughs> right? It's just sort of one of those moments. As we were waiting for the final bid uh, to come in, now it's August 2019, I can remember driving in my car, and I was having this conversation with God, and I finally just came to peace with him, just to surrender, to say, God, even if it takes us 10 more years to get to this moment right here, you are good. I said, God, even if we never get to this moment, you are good. About two hours later, after I finally just surrendered it to the Lord, I get a phone call. It's from Brian Boss of BJ Boss Builders, who's in the service with us right now. He was a man of strong Christian faith. His company had built a church or two. And he called, and he said, David, we can do it. We can build your church and not only that, we can build it within your budget. Over a million dollars lower than where we were. I mean, it's just God moving, right? It's God 
finding a way when you feel like there's absolutely no way this is going to work. And that's how we're here. We're here by the hand of God. I didn't even mention the story of when we realized that we were still short in terms of future expansion someday. If we ever want to expand to the greatest capacity here, we realized that we were going to need another acre and a half. Well, where are we going to get an acre and a half around here? The only place that was really, I guess, available, not even really available, is if you go out this way, when you leave today, kind of towards uh, Quick Trip, there's right before Quick Trip, there's a daycare, kinder care. In between our land and kinder care, there's an acre and a half that was sort of available. I'm not even sure it was technically listed on the market. And so we did what we've been doing this whole time. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we fasted and we prayed and we called out to the God who does the impossible. And then we called up the guy who owned that land and we said, hey, listen, um, we don't really have a lot of, uh, well, we really, we don't have any money. Uh, and, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's kind of hard. It's, it's just a small silver land. There's a, there's a pond. It might be kind of difficult to sell. What about, what would you think if you just donated that piece of land to our church for free? And I hope that you figured it out from the last 15 minutes that he answered the phone and he said, okay. And he donated a $400,000 piece of land to our church for free. Listen, I want to tell you something. God is alive. God is real. Christianity is not just a bunch of rules and regulations and religious services that you attend. We here, we follow Jesus Christ who died on a cross and three days later he rose from the dead and he is alive right now. And this building is a monument to his miracles. And I pray that every single time that you walk in here that you remember what he did to get us here. And I pray, if you're, if you're walking into a renovation church service for the very first time, as I know many of you are, that you're hearing about a God who is real, who is powerful, who is alive. And I just want you to know that this God that we're talking about, that he loves you. He just loves you. In fact, let me tell you what we believe. It's really simple. It's, it's the basic, I'll just tell you the basic core foundational message of Christianity for you. I'll just make it really simple. It's this. It's that you and I will never be good enough on our own. It's not possible. There is no person that can do enough good deeds and God will look at them and say, hey, you've done enough, come in. That, that, that sort of teaching is the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. Let me show you what the Bible says. It's Romans 3.23 from the Bible. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means none of us are good enough to just earn heaven on our own. We fall short of God's glory, of his holy perfection. Later in the same book, chapter 6, verse 23, it says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know what that's saying? Well, what are wages? Wages are like what you get for your job, right? It's what you earn for what you did. Well, what we earn, what we get, what we deserve for our sin, for all of our mistakes, all of our bad choices, the Bible says is actually death. It's separation from God. It's not heaven. It's hell for eternity. But the gift, this is incredible gift that you can open from Jesus Christ. And then in probably the most foundational verse of the Bible, it explains what that gift is. John three sixteen. Look at it. It's on the screen. It says, for God so loved the world. That's you. God is in love with you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to think about how deep this love is. This is saying that God loves you so much that even though he's seen all of your mistakes, all of your sin, everything, he's seen it all, that he sent his own son to come to earth and die on the cross in your place. By the way, that's what Jesus is doing on the cross. I think sometimes people go, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross. What he's doing is he's dying. Literally, he's taking the punishment for your sins. And you have an opportunity to be forgiven. But it is, remember that verse that it's a gift? So it's like this gift has been slid across the table to you. And it's up to you if you want to open it or not. But if you don't open it, and you say, you know what, I'm going to keep going on my life the way it is. I'm going to be the king of my life, the queen of my life. I'm in control. I don't need to follow Jesus or believe in any of that stuff. Then the wages of your sin, the result of your sin, is eternal separation from God. Because you can't save yourself. It's only Jesus that can save you. And Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. And if you would believe in him, that punishment goes off of you and onto Jesus. And he will come into your life and radically change who you are. And you can have eternal life with him. And I've seen God do that over and over and over and over and over again in the lives of people in this church who made this decision. In fact, while you're here today, I want to give you a decision, a chance right now to make that decision. Would you just humor me for a second? Would you just close your eyes just for a minute? If you want, you can even bow your head. If you need to make that decision today to believe that Jesus loves you so much that he died in your place, I want you to make that decision that you can today to be forgiven in a minute if that's a decision you want to make i'm actually going to ask you to just quietly stand up where you are in a minute as a way to sort of sort of mark this day in your life that this is the day i turn my life over to god said i can't do this on my own i need you you're the one who died for me i need you in my life it's a turning over the keys to someone greater And without making this decision, you will be dead in your sins. You cannot save yourself. But if you open up this gift, God will come in and save you, and it will change your life. So wherever you are in this room, if you feel like I'm just talking to you today, and you need to surrender your life to God, believe he died for you, turn over your life to him and be saved, forgiven. If that's just you, no one's going to be looking at you. Everyone's eyes are closed. But I want you to just mark this day in your life. I want you to just quietly stand up wherever you are right now. Would you just do that? Amen. Yes. All right. Who else is join these people standing? You just know this is the time in your life that it's just time to follow him, to surrender. If that's you, would you just stand where you're at? If your heart is just going, I need to make this decision. I don't, that's God wooing you to himself. If that's you, would you just, let me give you about 10 more seconds. Could you just stand where you're at? All right, amen. For those of you that are standing, I, I, I want to pray for you and with you. This is not a magic prayer, but just a prayer to mark this special moment in your life. In fact, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, but if you're a believer in Jesus in here and you've been one for 10 years, for 20 years, or for 10 seconds, I want you all to just repeat this after me. Dear God, 
I confess to you that I have sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. Uh, For the number of you that are standing, as everyone else still has their eyes closed, I need you to just do one more thing for me. I believe you just made the most important decision of your entire life. And if you make a decision like that, it just requires more information. What do you do next? The last thing I want is for you to sit back down and not know what to do next. So here's what we're going to do. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying and everyone has their eyes closed, I want you to just sneak out into the lobby and I will meet you out there in 30 seconds. And we're just going to give you some really important next steps and resources for what you do next. Uh, If you came with someone from this church, if you're a church person and your friend is standing up right now, would you grab their arm and walk out there with them? And I'll meet you out there and then you'll be able to sneak back in just a couple minutes. But just critical that you go out and I'll meet you out there in just a second. All right, let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you uh, for today. God, that you moved in this place and you did just an amazing, amazing thing. We're so grateful for it, Lord. And we praise you and we give you the glory. God, thank you for new life and that you save us even though we're not not even deserving of it, but you would send your son for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.